teaching, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, I, I would consider that one of the most dangerous and one of the most harmful teachings that uh, exist in the church today. Teaching says if you believe in Jesus, you will experience health and long life. And if you believe in Jesus, you will have riches and prosperity and get to experience all the high living that comes with that. That is fancy cars, that is houses, that is private jets, that is exotic vacations. Right? It goes like this. If you have faith that's large enough looking into heaven... God will reward you with all types of of, of blessings, right? You'll be free from sickness. You'll have success in all your dealings. And as you give to the church, and particularly as you give to the preacher, right, you then will receive the blessing from God in abundance. Now, I I say this is one of the most harmful and um, dangerous teachings of the church for a reason, mostly because it's hurt. So many, 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 many people. Uh, I'm not sure you know about this, but it, it is ravaging in Africa, especially. The health, wealth, prosperity teaching from America has gone over there. And here you have an impoverished nation and, and preaching news of, of, of wealth. And, 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 and they're just flocking to that, thinking that they're going to get this. And then they leave disillusioned. It's hurt many, many people when sickness comes. Right? It's, it's a time of difficulty for anybody. When your body ails, um, it, it, it leads to doubt and discouragement and questioning of one's faith. I have heard of those who are sick in the hospital or visited by those who believe this doctrine. And rather than being comforted in their time of illness, they're confronted with their lack of faith. And that's what, not what people need in the hospital. Right? When people are hurting in body, they need to be helped in soul not harassed. And I've also heard uh, of those who have given sacrificially to the church, believing that, that God will reward them in return only to be discouraged uh, and, and, and broke. In fact, I remember uh, speaking with a pastor friend of mine who went to seminary at the same time I did. And uh, we graduated. He pastors a church in, in Indiana in a community much like ours is here, um, a blue-collar town. With, uh, with not, not a lot of tech and uprising, right? We're like way behind so much here in the Rockford Loves Park area, just financially. He's pastoring a church where they're going through struggling times as a community, but about a mile from his church was a very large church that taught health, wealth, and prosperity to all who have enough faith in Jesus. And, and my, my pastor friend told me of a, of a member that came to his church and that was at his church for some time, and she was a single mother, who used to attend the big church in town. And, and, and the church is going through a large building program. And so the church asked the people for money. And the church pressed people. Like, if you really believe, and if you give the church money to build this building, God will return to you anything you give, and it will come back to you even greater ways. And so this woman, living on a low income, believed the message, mortgaged her small house of all its equity, gave tens of thousands of dollars to the church, and never saw a return. Never saw this divine transaction. God didn't give her back tens of thousands of dollars. All she saw was poverty. Losing all the equity in her home. Becoming dependent upon the government. To make matters worse, the church that she gave to so much was unwilling to help her financially. Uh, 
even though out of her poverty she had given sacrificially to help the church build a huge building, all they do would tell her that she needed more faith and trust that God is going to provide everything that she, she needed. Well, the pastor was living in a huge home on a ranch with a bunch of horses. Disillusioned, she finally found a way to my friend's church where they are seeking to, where they were at the time, right, seeking to dig her out of all her poor decisions that she made, all governed and driven by this health, wealth, prosperity, so-called gospel. It's really sad to see the, the sort of devastation that comes in the wake of the health, wealth, prosperity gospel. The reality is that the only people who get rich in such teaching are the pastors. Right? Bring it on. The reality is that most people are delusioned when hardships come. Now, this is nothing new in our, our day and age. The, the scribes and Pharisees of Jesus' day were just like this. They, they peddled the word of God. They were in the ministry for their own good. They exploited the weak. Listen to what Jesus said to them. Beware the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses. There it is. Devouring widows' houses. Just like person at my friend's church. I believe, and it says, for a pretense, they make long prayers. Jesus says, they will receive the greater condemnation. And I believe that those who preach the health, wealth, prosperity uh, gospel today will face the greater condemnation because of all the people that they are destroying in their wake. Now, one of the biggest problems of this teaching is that it fails to account for a huge theme in Scripture, which is the, the, the fact that hardship and suffering come upon God's people. So think about Joseph. His slavery and his imprisonment wasn't due to his sin. In fact, even at one point, right, escaping and fleeing temptation, he faced a, a lying woman who then caused her husband to cast her into jail. Or think about Job. He's a righteous man who lost it all. He didn't suffer loss because of his sin. Scripture testimony of Job is clear. Job 1.1, 1, 1, he was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. Or think about David. Not all the trials in his life came because of, of sin or lack of faith. In Psalm 18, right? try reading that psalm sometime. It speaks about his distress and his, his trial and his need of help from the Lord. And yet also in the same psalm, he calls himself righteous and blameless. So he is in trouble, but he himself is righteous and, and blameless. See, God's people have never been exempt from suffering and sickness. On the contrary, Paul says, 2 Timothy 3.12, that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Think about that. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Where's the health, wealth, and prosperity in that? I mean, Jesus himself promised his disciples, in the world you'll have tribulation. And our hope is that Jesus overcame the world and that we find our peace in him. And those who preach health, wealth, and prosperity um, just plain get it wrong. And, and you'd think, I mean, they do so under the guise of the Christian church. If they would just think about Jesus, they would be uh, straightened in their ways. See how wrong their teaching is. I mean, of all peoples, Jesus was the extreme example of righteousness. The Bible speaks clearly of his righteousness. Peter and Paul and John all say that Jesus never sinned. 
And of anyone who walked the planet, Jesus alone was sinless. Because he was holy God in the flesh. And yet of all people in the world, none suffered as much as Jesus. He endured the most physically painful death imaginable. It it was excruciating. Do you know what excruciating means? X means exit. Crusos from the cross. Out of the cross. Excruciating pain is pain like from the cross. It's It's a word that we get from the cross, how much pain he endured. But on top of that... He endured the wrath of God for sin upon Himself. For our sins upon Him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 said that God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That Jesus was our sin-bearing substitute. That's how bad the suffering wasn't merely physical, it's spiritual. And our hope in this life isn't that our, our faith is large enough so that we know health, wealth, and prosperity. No, our, our faith, be it ever so small, right? be it ever struggling, oh, oh Lord, help my unbelief, I believe, help my unbelief, is, is that Jesus died for our sins and prepared a place of joy for us in eternity, all eternity with Him. And that's the true gospel, not health, wealth, prosperity in this life, but eternal life in the ages to come. And to get there means suffering now and glory later, which is the theme of First Peter. That what Gary read for us today in Acts 14.22, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Right? We get to the kingdom of God through suffering and tribulation on the way there. And Jesus said, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Right? That, that means that all I have now is I submit myself to the Lordship of Christ. I'm a steward of what God has for me. I don't own it. I renounce it's not mine. It is God's to do with what he wants to do with it. And the health, wealth, prosperity preachers are silent when it comes to these themes of suffering and hardship, which are so clear in Scripture. It's like they got one part, and then they just deny that part. But you know what? We could equally be guilty of the same theme if we just take up the suffering and we miss this other thing about the blessings of walking in God's ways. Because there is a blessing in walking in God's ways. The Bible's full of promises to those who come to trust in the Lord with all their hearts of, of good things, of blessings. Dare I say it, even health. Dare I say it, even wealth. Dare I say it, even prosperity. And none of those passages are more clear than what we see in Proverbs chapter 3, which is our text this morning. I invite you to open your Bibles to Proverbs 3. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can find one in one of the chairs in front of you on page 528, Proverbs chapter 3. I I think that um, of any chapter in the Bible that health, wealth, prosperity preachers like and enjoy and go to, it could very well be Proverbs chapter 3. Because we see here promises of health, wealth, and prosperity. The title of my message this morning is The Blessings of wisdom or the blessing of wisdom. It's just over and over and over again we see these blessings. And, and I know your bulletin says we're going through verse 18. We're going through verse 10 today is where we're going. There's just so much stuff here that we will we'll pick up. I just want to catch the full front of verse 11. We're going to go the first 10 verses though. It says this, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. 
So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns shall be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Do you see the promises there of health, wealth, and prosperity? The promise of health comes in verse 2. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. The promise of prosperity comes in verse 4. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And the promise of, of wealth comes in verse 10. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your, your vats will be bursting with wine. We, we see them all together, which we'll look at next 16 and 17. Long life is in her hand. That's health. In her left hand are riches and honor. That's wealth. Her ways are wealthiness and all her paths are peace. That's prosperity. Our text this morning promises health, wealth, and prosperity to all who seek for and who find wisdom. And I just say, Rock Valley Bible Church, let's just not back away from these claims, but let's lean into them. And let's realize that following the Lord in the ways of wisdom brings great blessing upon our lives. Now, before I dig into my text, I'm not preaching health, wealth, and prosperity this morning. In, in the style and the flavor that, that preachers do today, that the false pre- prophets do today, the, the gospel that if you just believe enough, you're going to have health and wealth and prosperity. Pro- Proverbs 3 doesn't speak about believing enough. Proverbs 3 speaks about walking in the right ways. Right? If you walk in these ways, blessings will come upon your lives. And, and no doubt blessings from the Lord. But it's not just mere, mere faith, it's your, your faith in action, if you will. Um, that is, the blessings of Proverbs 3 don't, don't come merely by believing the right things, but as much as they do by living the right way. They're, it's almost like a law of life. Uh, Newton's laws, right, of gravitation, right? Uh, the objects tend together, they, they, they pull together. You drop an apple and it will fall. And so likewise, these, these are like laws of life, that if you live this way, this is the way God has made the world socially and so where his hand of blessing is upon us when these things come. Now, also we need to realize this is poetry. These aren't absolute promises as much as they are an exhortation and then a blessing that often comes. So it's not if you do this, then absolutely this will happen. But it's more like if this is the flavor of your life, this is the flavor of the blessing that you might expect. Well, in verses 1 through 10, we see five couplets Five statements of blessing, and they follow the same pattern. There's this exhortation, right? Two or three or four commands, and then there's this blessing for those who walk in those ways. And to give you a, a simple hook, at least for the for the first one, we're going to uh, call it this: listen for a long life. So that's mostly children. Listen for a long life, my son. Verse one. Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace it will add to you. And the exhortation really is, is familiar to us. It's the exhortation to, to children 
to obey and listen to their parents. We saw that in chapter 1 and verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. We saw it in chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding. Right? If you, if you listen to what your, your parents are saying. We will see it again in chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, O son, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. We'll see it in chapter 5, verse 1. My son... Be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding. And over and over and over again, we'll see the Proverbs exhort the young to heed the counsel of their parents. And young people, this is especially for you. To listen to what your parents are saying. Do you listen to them? I know how easy it is. I know by experience how easy it is as a parent. And I remember as a child how easy it was to just respond to my, my parents or to see my children respond to us in, in one of three ways. There can be just ignoring. Like something is said and the child just like didn't even hear. Like, like. Mom or dad requests something or asks something or teach. And the, it's just as, as if these sound waves just like, no ears. My ears don't work. Just ignore. Um, could you do that? What did you say? Ignore. Or, or second, complain. Sometimes kids, when a, a parent gives an instruction, they, they can just like complain back to them. They can respond in a wrong way, like, like argue, like here's what mom and dad are saying and they're going to like, like complain and, and argue with it. Like, oh, that's so bad. Or, or here, can you clean your room, Jimmy? Oh, I don't, I, why do I always clean my room? And maybe, maybe obedient, but with a grumbling, complaining attitude. R, last one, ignore, complain, and resist. Right, and, and active resisting and fighting against what the parents will say. And, and I just know how easy that is, right? When a, when a parent tells a child to do something, they don't want to do it, right? There's this, this, they put on the boxing gloves and they get ready to fight. Such are the ways of foolishness, children. They're the ways of foolishness. Proverbs here says, listen. Listen for a long life. Because if you listen, and if you don't forget, right, you keep my commandments, here's the promise. Length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Here's, here's the trimple, simple truth, right? Kids, if you listen to your parents, you can have a reasonable expectation of living a long life. Have you heard that before? Sounds a lot like the fifth commandment to me. Listen to what Moses said in Exodus 20 verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Like, honor your parents, that your days may be long. And Paul even mentions that in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, this is the first commandment, first of the Ten Commandments of the promise. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long. Now, here's a promise of how it is to walk. And how simple can that be, right? Obey your parents, kids, your life will be long. Now, of course, right, there are, there are exceptions to this. This is poetry. This isn't set in stone because there are plenty of obedient children who have died in their youth from leukemia or 
or a car accident or a house fire or drowning. And this is terrible, right? It's not an absolute promise, but it is a guideline. And surely there are many who have not listened to their parents who have died young. Kids who have been foolish, who have gone off and done their own thing and then died young. That is for sure. There are many who are like that. But in general, kids, I just say listen to your parents and you'll live in this circle of safety. In fact, I remember reading Ted Tripp's excellent book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, and, and I just remember this diagram. Um, it's a little circle of, uh, of a child who is in that circle of blessing. As the child obeys and honors his or her parents, things will go well with them. Long life is, is there. They're obeying, but as they disobey and dishonor, or they ignore and complain or resist, they get out of that circle, they're in the danger zone. And parents, it's helpful to you to know that to get them back in is discipline and correction. You want them to be in the circle. And kids, you want to be in that circle. Because there's shark-infested waters outside the circle. And you don't want to be there. You want to listen for a long life. And just know what, what, what Proverbs 3 is teaching is as children listen to their parents, they can expect blessing in their lives how it is and we'll see that theme actually over and over and over again in proverbs well let's move on to my my second point Um, not only should they listen for a long life but be faithful for favor is what i'm calling it just to try to give you a hook here verses three and four again the exhortation and then the blessing the exhortation is this let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you bind them around your neck write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So I picked up for, for our hook here the, the faithfulness and the favor. The key words in verse 3 are, are really steadfast love and faithfulness. They, they both speak of this long, enduring uh, reliability. Steadfast love is the, is, is the love, the devoted love that, that never wails. Wavers through through thick and thin, it is always there. And faithfulness, the enduring quality of loyalty through the ups and downs of life, faithfulness will always provide support. Practically, it means it means this, right? Show up on time. Do what you said you were going to do. Fulfill your promises. Make the phone calls. To the people who are hurting. Be ready at all times. Be dependable. Be loyal. You know, we we all know what it's like when people are not like this. Proverbs 10 verse 26 says it this way. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes. So is the sluggard to those who send him. So you got a, a sluggard and he needs to do a task. Your, your child and you, you send your child to go to the store to get bread and eggs. And, and the child comes back with Pop-Tarts and peanuts. <laughs> like, it's almost as if someone took a, a cigarette and just whoosh, right in your eyes and irritates your eyes. <laughs> I had to put vinegar in your mouth and it's irritating your teeth and your gums. You're just like, ugh. Survivable for sure. But just like, like irritating. Like I don't need that smoke in my eyes. 
It's disappointing. It's discouraging. Solomon tells his son to be trustworthy. And the result of those who are loyal and, and faithful is found in verse 4. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and of man. And put this even in the world of, of the job market. Any employer loves the worker who shows up on time and does what is expected. In fact, I would argue, young people, if you think about getting your first job, how important this is, even on your first job, to, to just get there on time and do what is expected. Right? And to do that, your boss will love you. Or to use the terminology of, of verse 4, is you will have the favor of your boss. You will have good success at work. You will stay employed. You will be the first in line for a raise. If you just have these enduring, faithful, dependable characteristics and qualities. But verse 4, it's interesting, it's not, not merely talking on the human level, though it is. It's also talking about the Lord. It says, you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and of men. Ultimately, isn't this what we want? Right, Favor and success in the sight of God. And I guarantee you that when you stand before the Lord on that last day to give an account for your life, the words that you want to hear most of any other words are this, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. That's what you want to hear. And, and, and faith with a little means just, just being there and being ready and being consistent. Just doing the little things consistently over a long period of time. Right? That, that, that steadfast love and faithfulness would never leave you. They'd be around your neck. They'd be on the tablet of your heart. They, they would be your characteristic. They would be your quality. That that's who you are. Well, let's move on to see the next one. I'm just calling it be dependent for direction. You see my my theme here, right? Listen for a long life. Be faithful for favor. Be dependent for direction. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Now, how many of you have this memorized? Probably of all the verses in Proverbs, perhaps there's none more loved and more memorized than than these verses here. They, they, they paint a picture of a, of a godly life in such a, a wonderful way. Trusting in the Lord. Leaning on Him. Acknowledging Him. And then expecting His guidance in life. Or as I have said, right? Be dependent for direction, right? Depending on God, then He will give you direction in your life. Now, it's at this point, really, where we see the, the wisdom of Proverbs 3, right? Transcend this life to realize that, that wisdom is really walking with the Lord rather than just walking around with people. So much of Proverbs 3 is really applicable whether you're a believer or not. Whether you're, you're trusting in the Lord Jesus or whether you're not, just these principles are going to work for you. Right? you. You find obedient children, right, who aren't, who aren't from a godly home at all. Right, but somewhat moral home, and, and they're going to reap these blessings and benefits. You, you show me someone at work who's just faithful and steadfast, or, or you show me right a neighbor who's just always there and always dependable, and, and they will have great favor from people. But, but here we see in, in verse 5 and 6 this, this transcendence, that it's beyond just 
human living. It's really trusting and walking with the Lord. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And wisdom walks in dependence upon the Lord. Trusting God whatever He says. Trusting His Word. Trusting it's best to listen to the counsel of your parents because that's what God has told you to do. You realize, children, that, that God has put parents in your life to guide you and direct you in the minutia of, of, of little things like teaching you manners that the Bible doesn't teach about, but God gives parents so as to teach you manners, to teach you kindness, grace, to, to help you with things of life. And that's trusting in the Lord because He has put that authority structure in your life. It's trusting His Word, just what, what He says in the Bible. Even if it doesn't make sense, and even if you don't totally comprehend it, right? Trusting in the Lord with all your heart means I'm just trusting and believing what the Bible says. Trusting even here, like verse 3, that, that it's best to live a life of faithfulness. That that will lead to favor and success. And of any verses in, in all of this, Proverbs 3, and really all of Proverbs that that lets the gospel shine the brightest, it's right here. Because it's right here that this is fundamentally how we're made right with God, right? By trusting Him and His ways and what He says, right? We're trusting in the Lord with, with all of our heart. We're leaning down on our understanding. And, and, and God has told us that if we believe and trust in Jesus, our, our sins are wiped away. And, and that He gives us, right, eternal life, not because we earn it or merit it in, in any way, but because it's given to those who believe and trust in Jesus. And then trusting in Him means to walk in His ways, to realize that His wisdom is the best way to walk. And there's joys of walking with God in this life. We think about this picture of Lean as a, as a great missionary story told of John Patton. who was a Scottish man who went to the New Hebrides Islands. And... Um, these islands were in the southwest Pacific, and these were tribal people who hadn't heard of Jesus before, and, and they were cannibals, meaning that, that people had gone there before, and, and, and the missionaries had been killed and eaten right there in the side of the ship where the, the missionaries were left off. But, but he went there, and, and uh, he, he was preaching. He, they didn't kill him, so that, that was good. And so he continued on to, to get to know them, to get to know their language. He's trying to understand how he can communicate the gospel to them. He's thinking about this word faith, right? What, it, what is faith? How do, you, how do you translate faith? And so there's, there's a day which a, a servant came into his house. And, and uh, so John Patton just, just sat there. And, uh, and, and what he did literally was this. He, he said, I, anyway, I'm trying to figure out what this, what this faith word is. And so... He's kind of talking with him. He says, what am I doing? What am I doing? And he said, you're leaning, right? Your feet are leaning on the standard. And says, ah, that's it. That's the word that I will use to translate faith. Leaning on Jesus, right? So appropriate that we sang that song today. Leaning on his everlasting arms. I know, Ryan, you picked that because, yes. Yes, okay, no accident. You do such a good job at that. We're leaning on Jesus, that's what it means, to rest our, face, our feet upon, right? to, to, to lean upon a pulpit, just to rest our, our weight upon Jesus. That's what it means to believe in Jesus, and that's right where the, where the gospel is. Right? Leaning on Him and not our own understanding. But so many try to have it their own way, that they want to lean on their own understanding. 
They want to trust their own understanding, their own intellect, their own smarts. I figured it out, right? I'm much smarter. I just know that I just need to be good and God will reward me according to my goodness. But that's not what the Bible says. There's truth in there, right? But it, it, it totally misses it. That's not the way. The way to be right with God is to, to trust in Jesus and His work of righteousness and, and not our own. And if you try to lean on your own understanding, try to figure out all the philosophy and all the, all the different ways and, and things, like you try to figure that out, you're, you're going to mislead yourself. You know that? The one who says, well, I'm just going to figure it out all myself, is going to be misled. Because Proverbs 21 verse 2 says, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Meaning that whatever you come upon, that's right. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. We all think we're on the right path. We all think we're doing the right thing. We all think we're believing the truth, whether we're believe, whether it's true or not, whether it's the right path or not. We all justify ourselves incredibly. We always think our, our way is, is correct. But God says, don't. Don't think your way is correct. Trust that my way is correct. That's why it's so important we trust what the Lord says and not ourselves because we're poor guides to ourselves. So don't lean on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord and acknowledge Him. And that, that just means to, to speak of Him and to, to, to give credit, to give glory to God. To acknowledge that He's sovereign over your life, that He is the Lord of your life. If you do that, right, if you, if you lean on God, not on your own understanding, but you acknowledge God, then the blessing comes, and this is a wonderful blessing. He will make straight your paths. That is, the, the Lord will guide you on the right way. And which of us want to be guided on the right way? Because the right way is, is the, the way of God, the, the, the way to the celestial city, if you will, like like last week, I put out in Pilgrim Progress a, a little blurb about a, a new production of Pilgrim's Progress put out by Revelation Media. And it was an online show, only, only showed for a couple days, uh, like Sunday and Monday. Any of you watch that? Okay, some of you did, right? Uh, David and I watched it on Monday night, and uh, it, was, it was really good. Very helpful to remind it again of the same story of, of Pilgrim who, who met Evangelist and was told to go towards the wicked gate. And, and there was his path. There was a straight path that he was to walk. And, and Pilgrim, it, it talked about how Pilgrim, his name is, is Christian, how, how he was, knew he had to stay on the path. But there were temptations to, to go different ways. He met Mr. Worldly Wise Men who told him to go up the, the hill of difficulty on the way to morality. There he'll meet the, the man called civility. And so he thought, well, Worldly Wise Men says it. Let's go this way. And it looked smooth at first. And then he tried to climb the, the mountain of Moses and the commandments. He found he couldn't do that. So he's back on the path again. After much discouragement, he went the wrong way. Right? He tried to Want to go the right way, or the or the lovely pasture looked like a shortcut, and and as he, he jumped the fence and he got off the path and he went the shortcut, he he soon found himself to be at at Doubting Castle, at the the Castle of Despair. It's this as this uh, version of Pilgrim's Progress called it. And, and he had to go back, right? He had to, he had to get up there, hold on to this key of promise, and know the straight way is the way to walk. And, and God will make our path straight, even at one point he and Faithful were there. And, and a man came to, to guide him and says, you need to walk straight that path, right through Vanity Fair. It's going to be hard. They're not going to like it. But you just need to keep walking on that, that straight path right there where it is. And the picture of Pilgrim's Prague is a great picture of, of verse 6. He's going to make your path straight. 
He's going to tell you where it is, tell you where you need to go until you reach that celestial city. It's not always going to be easy. Sometimes the straight path is the hard path. But it is the blessed path that Proverbs 3 is speaking about here. Well, let's move on, right? We need to listen for a long life, be faithful for favor, be dependent for direction, and fourthly, here's my attempt, right? Be humble for health. That's verses 7 and 8. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Being not wise in your own eyes, that's what humility is. Humility is really seeking the counsel of others, right? Seeking to bend to what others think and let them guide, guide your life. And, and this is telling us not to, not to think highly of yourself, right? Not to be wise in your own eyes, right? But you fear the Lord, you turn away from evil. It's almost a, a restatement of verses 6 and 7, right? Trusting in God's ways and not your own. But that really is the essence of humility, is deferring your wisdom. Deferring to God and, and to the Lord, See, it's a bad thing to be wise in your own eyes. Proverbs 26, verse 12. Do you see a man who's wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. It's bad to be wise in your own eyes, thinking that you have all the answers. You know people like that. They're really smart people who have a lot of answers. But soon a lot of answers, I have all answers. And then, then they're unteachable, and then they're just going their own ways, and all their ways are right in their own eyes. And the Proverbs says there's more hope for a fool than for him. And if you know anything about Proverbs, uh, the fool is the worst of people. Instead, right, rather than being wise in our own eyes, not being humble but being proud, we ought to want to be humble and we ought to fear the Lord. And again, verse 7, right, we see this fear of the Lord cropping up again. I've told you before, it's the key to Proverbs. It's the, the key to genuine wisdom. See, wisdom isn't merely just living in this life. It's living this life in light of the divine life is what it is. Fearing the Lord means, means walking the righteous path, that straight path. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. The fear of the Lord is to walk the right path, the good path, not the evil path. See, the Lord's ways are good ways, not evil ways. And a heart being evil will incline to evil ways. Well, why is it you think Christian got off that path on his way to the celestial city? Because his heart was evil. And he thought, oh, this looks better. This looks like a shortcut. That looks easier. It's not. It's the straight way is the way of righteousness. And now then, the blessing comes in verse 8. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Now, the interesting thing about this is that if you walk the right path, you'll experience health. I don't understand this connection, okay? Like, like at all. Like, I don't, I don't understand. But, but there's some connection of not being wise in your own eyes, right? Fearing the Lord, walking a righteous life, and health. Now, in, in some regards, right? It's when you trust the Lord, health benefits will come. There are, are sinful habits and sinful activities that bring bad consequences to your health. We talked about them and. At the end of chapter 1. Well, you do things that are, that are foolish for your life, right? You drink too much alcohol. You get cirrhosis of the liver. You die young. You just destroyed yourself, right? But just stay away from that. You just stay away from cirrhosis of the liver. The health benefits will come when you walk in the right ways of the Lord. All the ways of the Lord will help you towards health. Is what this is saying. 
But, but I think there's even more of a, a guess of this connection. I would say when you're walking in the ways of the Lord, also there's this contentment and satisfaction that comes upon your heart that, that frees you from, from worry and, and anxiety and depression, makes you secure in your heart. I believe there's a connection between the mind and the body that when your mind and your heart is at ease, right, that's going to be, be health to your body as well. I think that perhaps is one of the, the connections here. Just, just walking the ways of, of, of God will keep you away from the dangerous ways. The bad health ways will keep you on the right ways. Also will help you in the soul and mind and will help flourish into your body as well. Well, let's move on to my last point. Listen for a long life. Be faithful for favor. Dependent for direction. Be humble for health. And here's my last one. Give for growth. Okay, I think I stretched that last growth. I think I, I don't know. Give for prosperity, but prosperity doesn't start with G. So, give for growth. And um, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with new wine. Now, I mean, this is the health, wealth, and prosperity preacher verse. Right here it is. Right? That you honor the Lord, right? You give to the Lord and He'll return it to you more than you gave. So give to the church and it will come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, full measure, overflowing. God will give it back to you even more. It says here you'll be have plenty, you'll be bursting with wealth. You will have so much money, you won't even know what to do with it. So give to the church and to the preacher. That's what they say. Now, there's, there's a lot wrong with that mentality, alright? First of all, it, it's driven by greed of the preacher, um, but second, it provides a false motive for giving that I'm actually not giving at all. Actually, this is like a, this is like a transaction, like I'm getting. So this is the way that I get, is by giving. And so it, it puts all of the, the motive upon getting and, and turns it all towards me. It's about all that I'm going to get. This is what I need to do in order to get all this. But the focus of these verses isn't upon me. And so if the focus of these verses ever Think about, hey, everything that I'm getting, it's all about me. You've like missed the focus of these verses. That's where health, wealth, prosperity preaching goes wrong. It's, it's really focused on the Lord and the need of others. I mean, that's what giving is about, right? Giving is about having what I have to be able to give to you so you can be blessed by it. Now, having said that, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't want to deny the wonderful truth this passage that as we're generous with our wealth, God will provide for us in abundance. I, I believe that. I do. Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25 says this, One gives freely and yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And the one who waters will himself be watered. And I just think, God blesses generous people. God looks upon people who, who are givers, who extend themselves. And I believe that God sees that they're stewarding my money well and will prosper them with more so as they can be a blessing to others well. You know, Proverbs eleven twenty four just speaks about the one grow, giving freely and yet growing all the richer. That's not the testimony of everyone. But... It's a testimony of some, like R.G. Letourneau, 
I know that uh, he went to his, his college, right? Uh, down in Texas, San Antonio, where is that, Gary? Longview, Texas. So Letourneau is a, is a guy, he was in the business of earth moving. He invented, created machines that moved the earth as his business began to grow. Um, I, I remember him deciding how he's going to cap his salary. He's going to live at a, at a certain level. That's all where he's going to be. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not comparing him at all to Warren Buffett, but Warren Buffett still lives in the same house even though he's worth billions and billions of dollars. It's kind of what Letourneau did, but Letourneau had a godly mindset, and he said he's going to cap his salary. Anything he earned beyond his salary was like, that's giveawayable, and he's going to give that away. And the Lord began to bless his work. Um, during World War II, he was producing 70% of all the Army's earth-moving machinery. 70% of the U.S. government's contract. He, he eventually reached a point where he was giving away 90% of his income to Christian causes. Right? Starting in college, starting university, just giving it out. And, and at one point, Letourneau said that, that the money came in faster than he could give it away. And he was convinced he could not outgive God. He said, I just keep shoveling out and God keeps shoveling back. But God's got a bigger shovel is what Letourneau's testimony was. And through his generosity, many, many Christians are trained for the mission field, went to far and abroad to spread the fame of his name to distant lands. Now, I think Letourneau's unique, right? We're, we're not all going to be Letourneau's. I'm not going to say, give away all your money and you're just going to have so much, or cap your income and you're going to, that's all, you, you know, God's going to give so much more. But I would say maybe it's not a bad idea to say, you know what, this is what we're going to do. And and we're going to seek to give more and more and more. I know that we have tried to do that as a church. I mean, as a church, our heart's desire is to give away half of anything that comes in here to, to missions, to missions efforts all beyond us. And, and I, we were up to 25% one time of anything that comes in here. Let's, let's give away 25% of that. We didn't make budget. So health, wealth, we did, maybe didn't work. We just, we just went back and we're just keeping on, on going. We just want to model what to do for people when they live. And I say, trust the Lord. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Be in a position where you can give and give what you can and, and just trust that God is going to provide everything for you. Let me just close with one illustration of something that took place the last two weeks. This is um, in Nepal. And um, this is... Uh, I don't know who anyone else is, but I know who this guy is right here in the upper right, leading the guitar and leading in worship. His name is Bakash KC. And uh, we as a family have been able to support him for 15 years, maybe. Just started $50 a month, maybe it's $80 a month now, just kind of constantly just giving into his life, just giving into his life, giving into his life. We've encouraged many of you, hey, if, if you want to support an orphan, we have many, right, in, in, in Nepal and in India that I know of, that I see. And uh, just this last week, I received an email from Bob Clinton and uh, who, who said about Bakash, he, he said, uh, he, he, he had him write out a testimony and so he wrote out this testimony, and so this is what we received from Bakash. He says, it's really his testimony of his life. He said, I grew up, Bakash says, in a poor family. When I was a child, I used to see my father hitting my mom, fight every time. And I'm just going to read it in his rough English so you get an idea of what his rough English is. And also my father used to beat my mom and take her money and drink alcohol all the time. 
it was really hard for my mom. And when I was five years, my mom gave birth to my sister. And when my sister was just six months old, my father ran away with all the money, jewelry, and property we had. Then we didn't even have money to feed my sister. My mom went to neighbors asking for money to borrow for some days, but no one gave us the money, not even 500 rupees. And 500 rupees is like $4. Then my mom started working. She used to carry my sister in front and bricks on her back. And when I was 10, I started doing simple job like selling newspaper in the morning and ice cream in the afternoon. I also used to help my mom in the evening. But as we were growing, my mom couldn't take care of both of us. It was really hard for her. Then my pastor talked to me about the first love children's home. My mom cried a lot. There was no option. She wanted us to have a really good education and future. So I came to children's home when I was 12 Children's home was awesome. I had everything I needed, and most important thing was to know more about Jesus. I got baptized when I was 14. I was really happy to be there. I had a good education, food, clothes, and family. When I graduated grade 10, I started living in Kathmandu. I stayed there for two years, and I studied computer science. Smart boy. And after that, I started living on my own. I started doing job and study at the same time, but then I decided to go abroad because of my family condition, because I had had to take care of my sister and my mom. And we don't have house and property, so I was trying my best to go abroad for work. I did everything, but I could. And when I found someone who could send me abroad, and then I was ready with all my paper... And this is what people often do. They go abroad where they can get money so they can send them back. It's really difficult sometimes where they go. But uh, with all my paper, then the guy had an accident. And then we had to rest for a month. At the same time, my friend from church told me he had a job for me. That is to lead a missionary team to the mountains. I said, okay, because I had a month and also I will earn some money. And then I went trekking with them. And when I got back from trekking, that guy asked me if I still want to go and earn money abroad. And I said no, because God already, already put discipleship training school. He already had that in his heart. And so the missionary team were from Kana, and they were YWAMers, and they told me everything about discipleship training school, DTS. And, and I felt like God wants me to do DTS, but I didn't have money for this. And also, if I do DTS, I, I can't work, and I can't pay the rent for my education and everything. Then the team just said, you focus on God and DTS and we'll take care of everything. And they paid all my fees and they started supporting me every month. And God closed all the doors and brought me to DTS. It's been more than a year. I'm with YWAM. I'm a full-time missionary now. And also I'm still studying the Bible. And I have been doing lots of other works like distributing Bibles, showing people the Jesus film, praying for people and other things. I'm also leading foreign missionary to the mountains and working with them and being their translator God has done so many things in my life. I was scared that I won't be able to take care of my family. Now he's blessed my family so much that everyone is happy and he has now blessed me with so many things. And so, you know, that's... We don't need to support him anymore. He's like got support elsewhere from YWAM, Youth with a Mission. It's wonderful. He's given, him, given himself to the ministry of the Lord. And, and we've given... I don't know how much we've given. It's, it's not... 
But who, who's more blessed? Is Casey more blessed or are we more blessed? She says more blessed to give than to receive. And that's just, that's just a little bit of every month. And on top of that, right, we're delighted. We support some missionaries as well from what we can. And, and just it's, it's a delight just to help God's Word work beyond Rock Valley Bible Church. And I just say, you know, if you, if you want to give and trust that God's going to give back to you, and I have no idea how God has given us back with KC. From the earthly perspective, it's totally one-way street. From a spiritual perspective, there's joy in our hearts that this boy who was beaten when he was 10 was going to be out on the streets, got an education, right? accepted Christ, will be in the forever family of God, and now is working and laboring for him. It's like, where else better do you want to invest money to help kids like that? Now, they all don't turn out like this. There are some certainly that turn out bad. Orphanages are very difficult places to live. I understand that. Right? But it's an opportunity that just you can, you can give. Honor the Lord with your wealth from the first of all your, your produce, right? By helping the helpless and trusting that we, we've never lacked as a Brandon family. Our church has never lacked. We've always, God has graciously given us everything we need. Now, we've, we've done things slowly, right? The, the auditorium here, we wait till we have enough money and then it comes. And so it's not like an abundance of everything we have. We're looking to do the, the second part, the administrative wing of the church building. When the funds come, we'll carpet that and re, revamp that. But that's, that's how God, when he provides, he does. We have a ceiling that's still not drywalled yet, mudded. But God will provide in his time, in his way. Maybe not luxury, but he's provided everything. And it, and it comes about by just giving first. And that trusting the Lord. And, and Casey is just a picture of that. Bakash Casey. And if you want to even do something like that, that would be wonderful. Give the Pregnancy Care Center, right? Just, just be a giver. And that's the, my message this morning isn't to say, hey, give to Rock Valley Bible Church. You'll be blessed. Just give. And we need funds in order to go on, right? If you give to Rock Valley Bible Church, it's great. It's wonderful, right? We need it. We're going to try to be good stewards of that. But there are other places. And if you just be one who just gives, just trust that God is going to return upon you the, the blessing there of um, just returning everything that you need. So, right, listen for a long life. Be faithful for favor. Be dependent for direction. Be humble for health. And give for growth. For growth. And trust that these are the blessings of, of wisdom. So let's pray. Father, I would pray, God, for all of us. God, that we would understand these, these things not in a health, wealth, prosperity way that we use them all for ourselves to, to live, but it is a blessing to be healthy. God, so help us to make right moral choices that we might know the, the path of health, which is wonderful. God, it's is helpful to be wealthy because then we can be those who bless others and so god i I pray will you give us giving attitudes god that would would have that perspective and i pray god in all ways we would prosper maybe not necessarily even physically but spiritually god that you would stir in our hearts and and um God, bless us in our hearts and with our family. Give us great joy in serving you. Give us great joy as our kids walk in the truth. Give us great joy in our, our gathering together weekly as we'll see in the, the fellowship dinner we're going to have in just a few moments. God, help us to know the joy of what it means to, to walk in your ways, to just prosper in such a way that only would make the world envious. Because our golden riches are not the golden riches of the world. There are other things, even as Jesus said, my, 
my food is to do the will of God who sent me. And, and so likewise, our, our riches and our joy is to be involved and engaged in helping and serving and seeing your kingdom progress here upon the earth in Loves Park, in Rockford, northern Illinois, southern Wisconsin. God, do your work among us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.